heard a story about this lady who calls up her pastor and says, Pastor, I need to ask you a favor. Um, you know my husband Joe has a heart condition, and there's some news that I need to break to him, but I'm just scared that it might give him a heart attack. And so the pastor says, well, what news do you need to break to Joe? And she says, well, I discovered last week that Joe actually bought a winning lottery ticket, and he just won $10 million. And so, pastor, you're really good with words. You know, you explain things to people all the time, so maybe you could explain this to Joe in a way that won't endanger his health. Well, the pastor decided to accept this assignment, so he goes over to Joe's house, and he's sitting down, he's talking with Joe. He says, hey, Joe, um, hey, let me just ask you a question. Um, this is just completely hypothetical, but uh, what do you think you might do if, say, you won, like, you know, $10 million? And Joe thought for a minute, and he said, well, pastor, the first thing I would do is thank God that I won, and the second thing I would do is give half of it to the church. And when the pastor heard that, he had a heart attack. <laughs> Today, we're concluding our series called, what's it called? Begin a New Journey. And the topic we're going to tackle today is something that affects all of us. Um, this morning, I want you to think with me about your financial journey, where you've been, where you are, and where you're headed. Now, I realize that when you come to church and the pastor says, hey, I'm gonna talk about money today, there are some people that get a little nervous, a little uncomfortable. It's like the uh, little girl who became restless in church as the pastor's sermon dragged on and on, and finally she leaned over to her mother and whispered, mommy, mommy, if we give him the money now, will he let us go? <laughs> you're free to go anytime. But let me say this, because um, I think it's so important. Um, I've been where you are many times, listening to pastors talk about finances and about money. And I know what some of you may be thinking right now, because I thought it too. What does a pastor want from me now? Well, let me tell you what this message is about. It's about what I want for you. And what I want for you, what I want for all of us, is to see this area of our lives from God's point of view. Because when we do, it changes our hearts, it changes our lives for the better. And realize this, seeing things from God's perspective is important in every area of our lives. Isn't that true? If somebody comes to me and says, hey, Pastor Dudley, um, we're having some struggles with our marriage. Can you help us? You know what I do? I take them to God's word because I want them to see marriage from God's point of view. Um, if a parent says, I'm having some, some challenges with my child, I take them to God's word. What does God's word say about parenting? Well, we're going to do exactly that this morning. We're going to look at what God's word says about this area of finances. So would you start by taking a look at the statement on your outline because it says this, what we think about money, how we feel about money, and what we do with money is an issue of the what? It's an issue of the heart. Now, let me show you this image on screen. What is this an image of? What is that? Three letters. That's an EKG. Now, doctors use an EKG to diagnose the physical condition of your what? Of your heart. Now, Jesus says that your perspective on money, what you think about money, how you feel about money, what you do with money, reveals the condition, the spiritual condition of your what? Of your heart. Now, I want you to notice this next statement on your outline. It says, the purpose of Jesus' teaching is the transformation of the human heart, and Jesus taught a great deal about what? Money. Now, some of you know this, that Jesus actually taught more about money than he did heaven and hell, and a third of his parables, his stories, were about money. And it raises a question, why did he do that? Why is this such an important topic to Jesus? 
And I think the answer is very clear because money affects our relationships. Money affects our relationship with God and money affects our relationships with other people. Do you know what the number one cause for divorce is in America? It's centered around financial issues. Now here's something else that I want to point out. The reason that Jesus taught anything, when he, when he taught about anger, when he taught about anxiety, when he talked about uh, marriage or money, his motivation can be summarized with one word, love. See, Jesus loves you and Jesus loves me and that's why he teaches us the truth about everything, including finances. And, and listen, as your pastor, that is my motivation for teaching you. I love you. I want you to understand God's purpose and God's plan for your life, including his plan for your finances, because when you do, it will change you and change your life. Now, here's why it's so important to actually follow God's plan for our finances. Look at the statement as it continues. Following God's plan for your finances helps you guard your heart. Now, last week we talked about that. Remember how important it is to guard your heart? And the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart for it determines the course of your life. So if you follow God's plan for your finances, it helps you guard your heart from anxiety, from selfishness, from fear, and puts you on the path to experiencing joy, peace, and freedom. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. Now, this morning when it comes to your financial world, maybe you're doing okay. Uh, maybe you realize, I could be doing a little better. Maybe this morning, this is the last thing you want to think about. Now, I realize that it could be that you feel like, man, I've just blown it. I've made some bad choices with money. I don't want to deal with it. Um, maybe some of you this morning may feel pressured by your financial situation, um, worried about your financial situation, maybe even trapped in your financial situation. And truth be told, what you'd like to do is head for the door. But let me encourage you to do this. Stay. And listen, I want to encourage you to do this. Don't check out mentally. And don't pray that this will be a really short sermon. Okay, because I don't think that prayer is going to be answered. But, but here, honestly, I, I, think, I think it's so important to realize, you know, God brings us here because he wants to speak to us. And the reason he wants to speak to us is because he loves us. And he wants us to know that he cares about everything that's happening in our lives. And I just want to say that's, that's true. I mean, whatever's happening with your family, whatever's happening with your health, whatever's happening with your job, whatever's happening with your finance, God knows and God cares. And so he brings us here so we can listen to him and learn from him and trust him so that we can move forward and experience the financial freedom that Jesus can give us if we follow his plan. So are you ready to look at this plan? Good. It's, it's a seven-step plan, one for each day of the week. And let me say this, um, I'm not just saying, hey, I have got a great plan for you. You should follow it. I want you to know, my wife Chris is sitting in the front row. This is the plan that we're following because it's God's plan. And we know that these principles are true, so we wanna share them with you this morning. So here's the first step. This is on your outline. I must trust God. I must trust God as a source of all I need and commit to his plan for my finances. I must trust God as a source of all I need and commit to his plan for my finances. How many of you have ever been stressed out about money? <laughs> How many of you have never been stressed out about money? You know, sometimes we're stressed out because we just don't think we're going to have the money we need. Isn't that true? And it raises a really important question. The money that you have right now, how many of you have any money? 
Any money, okay. I would suspect all of us have some money. The question is, where did that money come from? And then the money that I need, like tomorrow or next week to pay my bills, whatever, where is that going to come from? Because here's how we often think. Um, my money comes from my job. My money comes from my investments. My money comes from my business. Uh, maybe you are at a point in life where your money comes from a social security check. Now, is that true? Is that the source of your income? Well, look at this verse from the Bible. This is Romans 11:36. It says, for everything comes from him. Who's him? God. Everything comes from God and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. How many of you have ever used a garden hose? I, I was actually walking around the building. I found a really cool garden hose, but it was too big. I couldn't detach it from the wall because I wanted to use it as an illustration. So use your imagination, all right? Imagine that I have a garden hose in my hand. Some of you in the front row are a little worried right now. Because here's the thing, if I want to use the water, if I want to spray you guys, or you know, let's say you want to water your garden or wash the car, wash the dog, where does the water come from? Does it come from the hose? Is the hose the source of the water? Let me say it that way. Is it the source of the water? No. It carries the water from the source to wherever it's going to go. It connects you to the source, and the source is typically that faucet on the outside of your house or your church building, right? So if you turn on the source, then you can use the water that's in the hose. See, that's true about money. When it comes to your job, when it comes to your investments, your business, whatever, those things are not the source of your income. God is. Now, why is this so important? How many of you have ever lost your job? Or you know somebody who's gone through a period of time when they were unemployed? From God's point of view, when you lose your job, you don't lose the source of your income. Because who's the source? God is. So you ask God, hey, I need another hose. <laughs> I need it soon. But here's the thing. We can pray and expect God to answer when we know that he is the source of everything we need, not just money. And you know there's a verse in the Bible that really puts us into perspective. This is Romans 8:32. It says this, since he, referring to God, did not spare even his own son, who would that be? Jesus, but gave him up for us all. Notice the logic of this. Won't he also give us everything else? Listen, if God met the greatest need that you and I have, the most costly need, which is a need for a savior, don't you think that he will meet every other need we have in our lives, including our financial needs? So, if that's true, what should be our response? To trust God, to provide everything we need to accomplish his purpose for our lives. And that's what the Bible encourages us to do. Look at this verse in Proverbs. In fact, this is the verse of the week. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, when it comes to your finances, the path that God wants you to take begins with trusting him as the source of all you need and making a commitment to follow his plan for your finances. Now, notice this verse says that our part, when it comes to money, is to seek God's will in all that we do. So that means that if we're going to make a financial decision, what should we do? Four-letter word starts with a P, pray. God, what do you want us to do? And what is the promise attached that he will do what? He will show us which path to take, which brings us to this next part of God's plan. This is step two. I must know where I am financially by keeping good records. 
in the church this morning, these points are gonna be really practical. This is a plan that you could actually put into place to make a difference in your financial world. So step two, I must know where I am financially by keeping good records. Check out this, this picture. This is a picture of a fire escape route in a building. Now if you're in a building and it catches on fire, what is your objective? Get out, right? Okay. Um, if you're in a really difficult financial situation, what is your objective? I wanna get out of this mess, right? So what do you need to know? You need to know where the exits are, but you need to know something else. Can you see the words there in the middle? You are here. Because if you're gonna go there, you have to figure out where am I right now and how do I get to where I wanna be? That's true financially. So one of the first things to do is to figure out where am I financially? And there's a Bible verse that encourages us to do this. It's found in the Old Testament, in the book of Proverbs, and before I show you the verse, just to set this up, realize that in Old Testament times, wealth was often determined by your livestock. All right? So let's take a look at the verse. It says this, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. If we were translating this today, it might read, be sure you know the condition of your stocks. The idea is you need to know where you are financially. Now, there are four things that you need to know, and here they are. You can write these down. You need to know, what do I earn? What do I spend? What do I own? And what do I owe? Those are four things you need to know. What you earn, what you spend, what you own, and what you owe. Now, realize, and we all realize this, when it comes to you know, these financial principles, um, it's a lot easier said than done. Isn't that true? In fact, this morning, um, it may be that you really don't want to figure this out because you're afraid of what you might find. But I will tell you this, the only way forward, not just financially, but the only way forward in your life is to bring things into the light of God's truth. And that includes your finances. And let me say this as well. If you're married this morning, you need to go talk with your spouse and bring your finances into the light together. Because one of the things that will damage your relationship is hiding things from each other. You need to be on the same page. You need to let God deal with your hearts and with your finances together as a couple. You know, I have a friend, and he says this about financial reality. He says, just put the skunk up on the table. <laughs> and, and, and it's just clear. You know, if you got a mess, just look at it, okay? We gotta bring it into the light because that way God can say, here's where you are, but he can also say, here's where you need to be. I love you. I wanna show you the way out. And that brings us to this third step says this, I must develop a budget to manage my finances. Now the Bible's clear, who owns everything? God owns everything and our job is to manage God's stuff. And in order to do that effectively, we need a spending plan. What's another name for a spending plan? A budget, a budget. And it's just a plan that basically helps you send God's money where God wants it to go. So look at this verse, again from Proverbs, has a lot of wisdom. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts, a lack of planning, leads to poverty. So here's, here's what I want you to realize, that, that when you understand this idea that God owns everything and you're just managing it for him, it changes how you feel about money. It really does. Let me give you a real practical example. Um, Chris and I have a new vehicle. 
So we went out the other day, and I looked at the back, and somebody had taken a key, and the whole back of it, right? This keyed it. Now, honestly, years ago, I would have been pretty upset about that. But here's what I did. I looked at the car, and I said, oh, wow, look what happened to your car, God. I guess you're going to have to take some of your money and get it fixed. Do you see the difference? Seriously. There is a freedom that comes when you realize I don't own anything. I'm simply managing it for God. So how would it change your life if you really got a hold of that principle? And, and check out this verse. This is from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. It says this. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be what? Faithful. Yeah, God expects us to be faithful. So if we're going to manage God's stuff well, we need to know what God wants to do with his money. We need to know what his priorities are. Makes sense, doesn't it? So that brings us to this next principle, number four. I must put God first in my finances and give the first 10% back to him. Now what is that called, giving 10% to God? Some of you know this. It's called tithing. And it reminds me of a story I heard about these two guys that are um, stranded on this desert island. And one of the guys is just pacing back and forth. He's so anxious and worried. And the other guy is just the opposite. He's under this coconut tree. He's just kicking back, working on his tan. And the guy says to his friend, how can you do that? Aren't you worried we're never going to get off this godforsaken island? The friend says, nope, I'm not worried at all. He says, why not? He says, well, listen, I'm a very successful businessman, and I make upwards of $10,000 a week, and I faithfully give a tenth of my income to the church. So I'm confident of this. My pastor will find me. An important part of managing God's money God's way is to put God first in your finances. Check out these verses. This is from Proverbs again. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, and that's an important concept, not with what's left over, but from the first fruits of all your crops. And here's the, the promise attached. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now here's a classic verse from the book of Malachi. And this is God speaking to his people. Um, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be food enough in my temple. If you do, here's the promise, and notice who says this, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Just a reminder who's in charge of everything in this world, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And then here, God just throws down the gauntlet. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, I can, I can remember sitting in church, and this is years ago, and I'm listening to this pastor talk about finances, and honestly, I just want to, you know, head for the door. And, and I thought to myself, well, this is just his opinion, right? I mean, he's just a guy telling me what he thinks about money, and yeah, that's a verse, but that's from the Old Testament, right? I mean, that was like thousands of years ago. I don't see anything from the New Testament, and for a long time, I thought, you know, Jesus really doesn't have anything to say about tithing, so I don't need to worry about it. Well, I found this little verse in the book of Matthew. It's Matthew 23, 23, where Jesus actually affirms the practice of tithing. But that really wasn't enough to create a tipping point because my logic was this. I've done the math. It doesn't work. I have this much money that I need to use to pay the bills. I have some debts to pay. I can't possibly give 10% to God. And I remember the words of this pastor 
and they really arrested my, my thinking. He said, listen, if you're a Christian, that means that you've trusted Jesus Christ to save your soul. And don't you think if you can trust Jesus to save your soul, you could trust him with your money? And I realized, you know, this whole idea of tithing and giving, it really is a matter of what? A matter of the heart. It's a matter of faith. And Chris and I decided we're going we're gonna to tithe. And you know what God did? He proved himself faithful because that's who he is. He is a faithful God. In fact, over the years that I've been a pastor, I have never heard anybody who decided to start tithing come to me and say, my finances are a mess now. Why is that? Because God is faithful to keep his promises. And, and here's why this idea of putting God first is so critically important. If you were to ask me, hey, Pastor Dudley, what do you think the number one problem in America is today? What is the number one need? What needs to happen to turn this nation around? I would give you a one-word answer, revival. It's what I pray for. It's what I hope for. It's what I work for. And if you were to say, hey, Pastor Dudley, what is the number one need in, in families and marriages in America today? Revival. What's the number one need in the church today? What do you think it is? Revival. And where does revival start? Right there. It starts in our hearts. And what did Jesus say? He said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And church family, I was, I was praying this week about this message because I really want you to hear what God is saying. And I want you to receive it in the spirit in which it is intended, which is a spirit of love and concern. But I was thinking this week, you know, what if? Because I like to think about, you know, what if? A whole bunch of people in our church decided, hey, we are gonna actually start tithing. What if the majority of the people in our church actually put God first in their finances and started to tithe? What would happen? I know what would happen. God already said what would happen. If you do this, if you put me to the test, you will find me faithful. I will pour out so much blessing, you won't have room to receive it. Now, what does that blessing look like? The blessing of God's peace. The blessing of God's presence. The blessing of God's power. The blessing of God's pardon. God has promised to pour out his blessing on us. Because Jesus Christ is our great reward. He is the ultimate blessing that through Christ our relationship with our Father has been reconciled. And so as your pastor, I just want to encourage you, listen to what God is saying to you this morning. And, and here's the thing, God doesn't just encourage us to put him first in our finances, he does challenge us. He says, try it, put me to the test. And I know this, if you take God up on that offer, he will come through, he will prove himself faithful and you will experience the joy of pleasing God and knowing that he is using you to make a difference in this world. So are you ready to move on to point five now? <laughs> okay, here we go. Point number five. There is a point number five, and it's right here. This is um, something that's really important too. I must save and invest for the future. It's not just that we need to give money back to God. We need to save and invest for our future. And you know, sometimes... When you're going through a tough time financially, it's really hard to do this, isn't it? It's like all my money's already accounted for. But here's what the Bible says. Save a little bit, and over time, that little bit will make a difference. One of the things that's really important is to have an emergency fund, because you have what? Emergencies. You never know what's gonna happen. You could lose your job, you could have a health issue, um, you could get hit by a hurricane, 
and have to pay the deductible on your homeowner's insurance. There's all these different things that can happen. And so the Bible talks about saving money little by little. Look at this verse. It says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it what? Makes it grow. Your emergency fund will grow little by little. And here's another verse. It says this, there is precious treasure and oil in the house of the wise who prepare for the future. That's what we're supposed to do but a short-sighted and foolish man swallows it up and wastes it. Now, sometimes people will say, okay, well, how much should I save? I get the 10% thing to God, but when it comes to saving and investing, what should I do? Well, a lot of Christian financial advisors would say it's good to you know, give 10% to God and then save 10%, invest 10%, and then try to live on the 80%. Now, in our nation, one of the biggest challenges we have is the personal savings rate. And I looked this week at the personal savings rates in other countries, and it's really pretty interesting. For example, did you know that in France, the savings rate is 15.4% of their income? Germany, it's 9.9, Australia's 11.1, Spain's 9.1, and America was at the bottom of this list, less than 3%. Now, one of the things that makes it really hard to save for many people is that we are in, we're in debt and you just don't have enough money to go around. So that brings us to the next part of God's plan. I must set up a repayment plan to get out of debt. Makes sense. Now remember one of the steps was to uh, put the skunk on the table? You gotta see where you are? Well sometimes we do that and go, whoa man, I didn't know I was in so much debt. How did this happen? Well we call it consumer debt because one of the things that drives our behaviors is constant consumption of stuff. It's like the the guy who um, found out that his wife's credit card had been stolen and he didn't report it. In fact, he waited a couple of months and finally he called up the credit card company and the customer service person said, sir, this car has been stolen for months. Why didn't you report it? He said, well, the, the guy who stole it was spending less than my wife, so I thought it was a pretty good deal. <laughs> Here's some wisdom from the Bible when it comes to debt. It's from Psalm 37. The wicked borrows and does not repay, does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and kind and gives. And this verse from Romans, it says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Let me ask you this. What's the first rule when you find yourself in a hole? What's the first rule? Okay, look up. And what's the second rule? Quit digging. <laughs> And that's true of debt. I mean, look up and quit digging, right? Don't make it worse. So listen, on your outline are some resources that I thought would be helpful. Some of you are aware of these. Um, one is Crown Financial Ministries. Another is um, Financial Peace University. There's some great material by Dave Ramsey, and you can go online, and there's so much helpful information. So I want to encourage you when it comes to a debt rep repayment plan, just ask God to help you set that up and help God to help you follow through on it. And that brings us to the last part of this plan this morning. Number seven, I must learn to be content and enjoy what God has given me. I must learn to be content and enjoy what God has given me. Now, in the world of advertising and marketing, there are two magic words that are incredibly powerful when it comes to shaping our spending habits, and we've all been affected by two, these two words. On sale. <laughs> but honey, it's on sale. I know we can't afford it, but it's on sale. I know we don't need it, it's on sale. And do you know what? The sale ends today, so we need to buy it when? Yeah, right now. The, the greatest enemy 
of Madison Avenue advertisers. In fact, this word strikes fear into their hearts. You know what the word is? Contentment. Content, I, I don't want a new one. I'm happy with the one I have. Reminds me of something that happened to me a number of years ago. I had an iPhone. It was an old iPhone, and I'd had it for a long time. And I was content with my iPhone. I kept getting all these opportunities to upgrade my iPhone, but I didn't want to. And one day, I was actually bragging to Chris about my iPhone. I said, you know what? I've had this phone for such a long time. I take remarkably good care of my iPhone. I never lose it. I never drop it. It looks brand new. Well, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, pride comes before a fall. <laughs> and wouldn't you know, the next day, the next day, I'm in the car. The car door opens up. My cell phone falls out. I don't notice it. I back up. Guess what? I run over my cell phone and smash it. So with a heavy heart, I go to the Apple store and said, can you fix my cell phone? And they said, no. <laughs> and I thought, God, your cell phone is dead, really dead. What was so funny, though, is the person helping me, they called a bunch of people over to look at this phone because they hadn't seen one in such a long time, <laughs> this telecommunications dinosaur. But here's the thing, here's the thing. God really wants us to have a heart that is content with what he's given us. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I believe that we should be ambitious for the Lord. I want to be ambitious when it, when it comes to the church growing and people's lives being changed and extending kingdom influence. But when it comes to the things that God has given me to manage for him, I want to find contentment there. And I want to learn to enjoy the things that God has given me. And that's what, that's what the scripture says. Take a look at these verses. It says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Why? Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. See, our contentment is not in stuff. Our security is not in stuff. Our significance is not in stuff. It's where? It's in God. And notice this verse. This is from 1 Timothy. Teach those who are rich in this world. Now, who's, who's that? Who's rich in this world? Well, Arguably, almost everybody in America is rich compared to people in other places in the world. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, their trust should be in God. And notice this, who richly gives us all we need for our what? Enjoyment. So the Bible says, be content with what God has given you and enjoy it. Now, please take a look at this question, this last question on your outline. What is your next step in following God's plan for your finances? What is your next step? Well, I really would encourage you to talk to God about that. What is the next step that he wants you to take to find the freedom that Jesus wants you to experience? Now, one last, one last thing. As you try to figure out this path forward, you need clarity, right? And if you need clarity, sometimes what do you need? Gospel glasses, you guys got it, this is great. This is great. Now, here, here's the thing. What in the world does gospel glasses have to do with charting the course financially? And my answer is everything. Everything. And here's why. Okay, what is the gospel? What does the word gospel mean? Let's, let's do the basics. What does gospel mean? Good news. Good news about who? Okay, good. This is great. Good news about Jesus, who he is, what he came to do. So, when I decide, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, I get a new record. Why do I need a new record? because I have a bad record. Now, 
If you were to say, have you ever made bad choices, wrong choices financially? I would say, oh, absolutely. I've made bad choices relationally. I haven't put God first. I haven't loved people. I've got this whole mess of bad choices, a bad record, and that bad record because of these choices has separated me from a holy God. My sin has separated me from God. And not only that, I know that God is just. That means he's got to punish every sin I've ever committed, which is to be separated forever. And that's really bad news, isn't it? And the other thing, this is kind of the kicker, I can't save myself. I'm helpless to do that. So what does God do? God comes to rescue us. And it's such a beautiful story. I never get tired of thinking about the story and telling the story. There is this God, and he's a God who's um, really amazing because he exists in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So God the Father sends God the Son Jesus to our world, and he lives a perfect life. And so he has what kind of record? He has a perfect record. And so what he wants to do is he, he wants to find a way that he can give us his record and deal with our record and that's why he allows himself to be arrested and beaten and hung on a cross. Because on the cross, an amazing thing takes place. There is an exchange of records. Do you realize this? God's willing to put your sin on Jesus and punish him in your place. And when you trust Jesus, when you say, Jesus, I believe that you're a son of God. I believe you died and rose from death. I want to follow you. Your record is obliterated. And now you get the perfect record of Jesus Christ. That means that the past is done. I mean, how many of us, and, and don't raise your hand, but how many of us have a hard time letting go of regret from the past and guilt and shame? We do, don't we? And God says, you don't have to deal with that anymore because you are completely forgiven. You have a new record. But church, let me be quick to add this because this is really important. When we sin, when we decide that we're not going to do things that honors God, God takes away the guilt but do we still experience the consequences of those choices? We do. So how do we deal with that? And here's the answer, by relying on the grace of God. Next week, we're starting a new series of messages called Amazing Grace. And we're gonna talk about that, how you can move forward with your life, even when you have all this stuff in your past, by relying on God's amazing grace to deal with the consequences of your choices. But you have a new record, because you've trusted Jesus. And you also have this, when you put on your gospel glasses, a new identity. Hey, I'm a child of the king. I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. What does that mean? Well, I'm in a royal family, and so my, my father, man, he's got everything, and he's promised to take care of me. So, hey, I don't have to worry. Do you see how that works? That's your gospel identity. God's promised to take care of you. He's going to provide everything you need for his purpose to be carried out in your life. So you have a new record, a new identity, and the third thing you have when you put on your gospel glasses, you see you have a new potential. Do you need a new potential to follow this plan? <laughs> Absolutely. And see, what happens when you decide to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you, and now you can do things you could never do before, like get out of debt, give generously, overcome temptation, learn to be content, those are entirely possible because of your partnership with God's Spirit. And that changes everything, doesn't it? So listen, wherever you are today, I want you to know this. You can begin a new journey. A new journey with your finances, a new journey with your life, a journey of faith, a journey of following Jesus when you do this. Are you ready? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all that you do 
and he will show you what path to take. Let's pray. God, thank you for that promise. It is such a precious promise. And God, I pray that we would do exactly that, that we would trust you with all of our heart in every area of our lives, including our finances. Lord, I just wanna pray for the, the person this morning who's really struggling. And I pray that this message has been helpful, but more than that, God, that this message would propel them to take action and to take these principles and put them into practice, God. Lord, I pray for us as a church that we would learn to be more and more faithful with the resources that you've entrusted to us so that we can make a growing difference in this community and in this world. And God, I pray this for the one who maybe for the very first time has understood that they've never trusted Jesus, that they need a new record and they want a new identity and they need a new potential. Lord, I pray that today they would just come to you and say, God, I need you. I need a new life. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead and I wanna follow him. And God, whenever somebody prays that, honestly, you always run to rescue them. God, some of us in this room, many of us in this room have been rescued and you wanna use us to rescue others. So Lord, I pray that we will do that. And I pray this, God, that most of all, the way we live our lives would bring joy to your heart. And Lord Jesus, one last thing, thank you. Thank you for telling us the truth about everything. Thank you that you are the truth, that you are the way, that you are the life. And we worship you for that now, in Jesus' name.